Praise the Lord. I'll start by asking a question, which is, how do you see it? And the, re and the reason I'm asking that question, and the reason I'm asking that question is because the way you see things affects how you feel about it. Many, many times the way we feel about things is as a result of how you see it. For example, when the subject of prayer has been discussed, do you see prayer as a means of communicating to God? Because if, if you see it as a way of communicating to God, you are likely going to feel excited about praying. If you see fasting as a way of, of having petitions answered, you are likely to feel excited when the subject of fasting and prayer comes up. John said in 1 John 5, 14, it says, what things whoever you ask according, it, it said here in the, this is the confidence we have that whatsoever we ask the Father according to his will, we have the assurance that we receive it. So if you see prayer as a means of getting anything from God, you are likely to feel excited about prayer. We had fasting earlier this month. And when the announcement was made, did you feel excited about it? Because the feeling you have about fasting shows how you see it. Because Jesus himself said in Matthew 17, 21, he says some problems does not go except by fasting and prayer. Have you carried the burden in your heart? Have you carried the burden in your heart so far? And I've been looking for a way to join people to deal with it. If you see fasting as a way of dealing with it, the likely reason, the likely, the, the likelihood that you feel excited about it. When marriage issue comes up, Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage is a thing of honor. If you see marriage as a thing of honor, you feel excited about it. Either you are currently married, or you are looking forward to getting married. The way you see the subject of marriage, if you see it as a thing of honor, you would likely be excited about it. When you talk about giving, give and it shall be given unto you. That's all. If you see everything you give as being given unto you, then you will be excited about giving. The way you see everything in life affects how you feel about it. God says, he that giveth unto the poor lends unto God. So if you see giving to the poor as giving the loan to God, then you feel excited about giving to God. Because that's the, that's the only method you can loan something to God. So how I see, how I see things affects how I feel about it. Every part of your life, the way you see things will affect how you feel about it. Another thing about how you see things affecting is that the way you see things affect the way you talk about it. Many, many times we only say the things that we are we, we, excited about. If I'm happy about Christ, I talk about Christ. If I'm happy about my salvation, I talk about my salvation. Of the many people that Jesus healed, some of them, he told them that do not say anything to anybody. But because, but because they saw Jesus in a different light, 
They went about and talked about the healing that they received. So how do you see the healing that you have received? When, Je when Jesus was by the well in Samaria, in John chapter 4, he was talking with the woman. And the woman said, the Jews and the Samaritans, we don't normally relate. But after Jesus Christ has spoken a lot sufficiently to the woman, John 4, 29 says, the woman went into the city and talked about it and said, come and see a man that told me everything. So how you see things affect the way you feel about it. How you see things affect, affect the way you talk about it. When they took the apostles and banned them from preaching about Jesus Christ, they gathered them into a room and beat them up. They gathered the apostles into the room and beat them up. They told them not to preach anyone in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter answered in Acts chapter 4 verse 20. He said, we cannot but speak of the things that we have heard and seen. So because he has seen it, he had to speak about it. So the things that you see, and how you see it, affects how you talk about it. It affects the way you feel. It also will affect the way you behave. Many, many times our attitude to the things of God, our attitude to the church, our attitude to our work, our attitude to the things that we do, it's a perspective of how we see things. If you see Christians come late to church perpetually, if you see Christians who walk into church every Sunday without their Bible, it's a reflection of your perspective of the house of God. Jesus said in John chapter 2 verse 16, He said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. The church is not a place where we walk in casually. The church is not a place where we just come to meet our Sunday Sunday friends. So how you see it affects how you feel about it. How you see it affects how you talk about it. How you see it affects the way you behave to it. Many, many people in the Bible, especially the people of Jesus' household, the Bible says he could not do many mighty miracles there because they did not see him as the Messiah. They say, oh, this is Jesus. He's the son of the carpenter. We know his father, we know his mother, we know his siblings. So they could not receive miracles from Jesus Christ. Mark 6, 5 says that he did very few miracles for them because they saw Jesus as a carpenter boy. Another way in which the sight of things affect our hearts is that it affects the way we behave and act towards it. So not just the way you behave towards it, but it affects your action. Many, many times when we are not enthusiastic about work, when we don't put energy to the things that we have been called to do, it's a result of how you see the work. The work of God has to be done. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 and 38 says that the laborers are few. But the harvest is plenteous. So how you see affects the way you act towards it. Another way about how you see 
Affecting things is that it affects the way you believe and the way you expect. Many, many times when you see things, the act or the action of believing has to do with how you see it. If I need money, I don't look for money from a poor man. I look at the other appearance and say, I see this man has been rich and capable of solving my problem. And naturally so, that's the way it will be. So the way you see things affect the way you believe it. The children of Israel were sent as spies into the land of, of Canaan. Ten of them came and said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. That the land was full of the sons of Anak. It says the land was full of giants. And we are unable to take over the land. But two out of the twelve saw differently. They came first of all. The Bible says in Numbers 14:6 that Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. I said, no, don't, don't speak about the land of Canaan as that land. We see the land as a land flowing with milk and honey. You see as a land that eateth up its inhabitants. But we see it as a land that flows with milk and honey. We are able to conquer we are able to overtake. We are able to take over the land. So your perspective of how you see it will determine how you feel about it. It will determine how you behave to it. It will determine how you act about it. It will determine how you talk about it. It will determine how you believe. And one more thing about how you see it is how you see things in life would affect how you, how, how, how you get results from it. The sight of the things you see will determine the results that you get about it. Some of the time the results we have are limited because we cannot see afar. When Abraham and Lot separated, God called Abraham in Genesis 13, and say, lift up your eyes now that you've separated from Lot. Not east, west, and south. As long as you can see, I will give it unto you. Until Abraham saw, he could not take over, he could not have that promised land. So how you see would affect your results. The result of seeing means that other things will be given unto you. If you see well, you will hear well. If you see well, you will understand better. If you see well, you will do things better. Ephesians 1.18 says that the eyes of my understanding, that the eyes of my understanding might be opened. Then that you may know. So your eyes of understanding will be opened first, then knowledge will follow. Because without your eyes being opened, there will be little that you can do with knowledge. When the psalmist was praying, he said in Psalm 119 verse 18, he says, do not hide your commandment away from me. That is, I want to see your commandments. Because I'm a stranger on this earth, then other blessings will follow. So the way you see things affect the results you get out of it. So if you want to feel better about things, change your perspective. If you want to be excited to talk about Jesus, if you want to be excited about talking about the church, the church of the living God, which is the pillar on the ground of truth, 
change your perspective. If you want to be, if you want to behave better to the things of God, if you want to come to church early, if you want to be a zealous worker, if you want to know God more, if you want to do the things of God with a clean heart, you need to change the way you see the things of God. You need to change the way you 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 you, you act towards the things of God. When the servant of Elisha was was with Elijah, and an army besieged them round about. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, it says that they surrounded them, and the servant of Elisha was scared. What did Elisha do? Elisha said, I prayed unto God that God will open his eyes. And by the time God opened his eyes, he saw that he was surrounded with the chariots. He saw the host of angels were surrounding him. He saw that the souls of angels were surrounding them. From that time, he had an understanding that they who are with us are more than they who are with the world. He had understanding that they who are for us and fighting for us are more than the camp of the enemy. So the sight of the eyes would help you have a vision to understand things better. It will help you look into things better. It will help you understand things better. Jesus said, Blessed are your eyes for the sea. For you to have certain blessings of God, your eyes have to see. Blessed are your ears for the hear. For you to have to hear something from God, you have to hear properly. So God wants us not just to feel about things. He doesn't just want us to talk about things. He told you to go into the world and preach the gospel. But it will affect the way you think, the, the thing, your sight will affect the way you go about preaching that gospel. So we need to see things because we will feel better about it. We need to see things the right way because we will behave better towards it. We need to see things better because we will act better towards it. We need to see things better because we will believe it more. We need to see things better because we will have a, 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 a better perspective of talking about it. We need to see things more because we would get better results. When the Bible says, eyes have not, I have not seen, ear have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has for his, his servants, the, the servants that love him. What God is simply saying is that your eye have not seen. I mean, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 10 says that there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. So when God is saying, I have not seen, I mean, by now we all know that that scripture, First um, Corinthians 2 9, is in the singular. I mean, I have not seen, not eyes. Ear have not heard, not, not your two ears. So when God is saying, I have not seen, he's saying the eye of your spirit. You need to see beyond the eye. You need to see beyond your physical eye. Otherwise, you will not do the work of God better. You need to see beyond what the face can see. 
Because if that scripture was referring to something physical, then there is nothing new under the sun. But beyond seeing church as a garden of human beings, you need to see with your inner man that I have not seen the bond of love that we have together. Here I have not heard that people of different cultures and tribes and nations are one under God. And it has not come into the heart of man. No, it has not come into the heart of a natural man. The things that God intends for us. The natural man doesn't know nothing about heaven. The natural man doesn't know about we inheriting the earth. Because we need to see things better so that we can act better towards it. And we need to see better so that we can get better results. So that brings me to the question, how do you see your Bible? How do you see your Bible? Do you feel great about your Bible? Do you talk, do you talk about your Bible? Are you able to behave towards your Bible by maintaining devotion? Are you getting results from your Bible? Are you behaving well towards, are you acting well towards your Bible? Do you believe your Bible? How do you see your Bible? The first way which I will share in which you have to see your Bible is I see your Bible as a prophecy. A prophecy that has to be fulfilled. Many, many times you look at the things of the world in order to judge, we look at the content of the Bible. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it tells us that in the last days there shall be perilous times. We look at the Bible and say, oh yes, there's perilous times. Because these are the last days. We look at the Bible and say, oh, men are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And we judge by the content of the Bible that this is the last days. Many times we saw that we see that people are lascivious. We see that people are money seekers. We see that people are covetous. And we judge in that way that we are in the last days. But that is not making the best use of the Bible. Of course, those contents are in the Bible. But if you see your Bible as a prophecy, you would remember that the Bible says in Joel 2.28, that in these last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The reason I want to know that the last is because the spirit of God is poured out in me. I want to have an outpouring of the spirit. So the question you ask yourself, Am I judging this being the last day because of the world? Or am I making the Bible of use to me by having the Spirit poured out upon me? It says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and upon your daughters. Your young men shall see visions. If I begin to have visions, then I know it's the last days. I don't have to judge the last days by the sinfulness of the world. I need a personal benefit. I need a specific benefit. It says your old men shall dream dreams. I need to begin to see the word of God as a prophecy that will be fulfilled. 
Je dois voir la parole de Dieu comme il faut. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. It says that that as the waters as the waters cover the sea, the knowledge of God shall fill the earth. De la manière que l'eau renferme les eaux. Why on earth do I not know the knowledge of God? Why don't I know God for myself? Why is the streets not knowing God? I see this scripture as a prophecy. The house will be filled first in my life. As long as there's water in the Atlantic Ocean, then the knowledge of God shall fill me. Donc, la connaissance de Dieu va me remplir. Because that is the prophecy of the Bible. Parce que la prophétie de la Bible. That will be fulfilled in my life. Qui va s'accomplir dans ma vie. There are many prophecies that has to be fulfilled. Il y a beaucoup de prophéties qui doivent s'accomplir. There are many prophecies that you need to lay claims on. Il y a beaucoup de prophéties dans lesquelles nous devons nous accomplir. Jesus stood up in the synagogue. Jésus Christ s'est élevé dans le temple. In the temple and read. Dans le, il a dit. He said, the spirit of God is upon me. Que l'esprit de Dieu est sur moi. And he has anointed me. Et ma ouin. To bind up the broken hearted. Why is my heart broken when the prophecy is in the Bible? Why am I having a broken heart when Jesus Himself said, "I am come to bind up the brokenhearted"? He says, "For that to set at liberty them that are bound." Is a habit binding you down? Is a, is a mental illness bound, bound, binding you down? Are you in captivity in your thoughts? Jesus said, I have come to set at liberty them that are bound. He has also come to give deliverance to them that are captive. How do you see the book of this prophecy? Because the way you see the Bible determines the results you get out of it. Jesus came to bind the brokenhearted, to preach captive and deliverance to those that are captive. And it says to give the recovery of sight to them that are blind. Oh, there are things that I need to see. Because what you don't see, you can't achieve. I need to see things better. Don't say to yourself that you have sight. Jesus himself said that Pharisees, you claim you have sight, then your sin will remain. Jesus said in Luke 14, I am come to give recovery of sight to them that are blind. Revelation 3.18 It says that come and buy of me pure gold so that you may be rich and come and get ointment for your eye that you may see clearly. Those people were not physically blind. So one thing that Jesus will do is that he has come and he prophesied that your broken hearted will be healed, those in captivity will be set free, and those that are blind will begin to see. And it says in verse 21, this day that prophecy is fulfilled, why am I lacking in these things? So one thing that you see your Bible as, is that it's a prophecy that has to be fulfilled in my life. Jesus said this year is the acceptable year of the Lord. Why should COVID-19 change your perspective upon the acceptable year of the Lord? You need to see the word of God as a prophecy that has to be fulfilled. Another thing you need to see the word of God as is that you see the word of God as a command. The word of God is a command that is non-negotiable. When he gave the command, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You should lose confidence in your wealth. You should lose confidence in your connection. The arms of flesh will fail. 
You should learn to trust in the Lord with your whole heart. When he says unto the children, Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents. That is not negotiable. When he says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wife. Those commands are not negotiable. So I see the word of God. Not just as a prophecy that will be fulfilled, but as a command that I must obey. This book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. When you, when you confess, confess positive things. When you speak, you speak positive things. When you see, you see things are possible. You see possibility in everything. Because this book of the law. Shall not depart from your mouth, but you meditate upon it. It is a command that must be obeyed. My son attends to my word. Simple. Learn to attend to God's word. Incline your ears to my sayings. It's not difficult. He says, incline your ears to my saying. God who said unto the husbands, love your wife. He says unto the youth and the young adults. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. It says abstain from fleshly lusts. Abstain from fleshly lusts. That war against your soul. He says unto the church. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 12. He says flee, 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 flee from lusts. Those things are commands that cannot be negotiated. Another thing we see God's word as. It's not just a book of prophecy that will be fulfilled in my life. It's not just a book of command that I must obey. Another thing I will see the word of God as would be a book of warnings. When the commands are given, Warnings are also given. I believe the history of man would have been different if Adam and Eve listened to that warning. Of all the trees, do not touch. That's the command. Then the warning came. And the day you touch, you will die. So a warning usually comes with a future punishment for disobedience. So above the command that of all the trees of the garden, do not touch this one. The warning came, the day you touch it, you'll be separated from me. So a warning goes out with, 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 with an unpleasant effect that will happen if you disobey. The Bible has a lot of warnings for us. Oh, it has a lot, a lot of warnings for us. It says in Matthew chapter 18 verse 10, Be careful how you treat your children. There is no excuse for being evil to children. We may mean well for them. We want to train them well. But their heavenly father always seek the face. Their angels always seek the face of the heavenly father. He says, be careful how you treat little children. About a couple of Sundays ago, the pastor taught us extensively here, using the text Mark 
Take heed. Take heed. Be careful what you hear. Many, many times our heart is in a bad state because we allow death to be swept inside our heart. The Bible, is full of, the Bible is full of warnings for us. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24, verse 4, he says, Be careful. Don't let any man deceive you. And time is for real. Many, many times we let people deceive us. But God is saying unto us, be careful. He says, if your brother sin against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Be careful, forgive him. There's no reason to hold resentment. There's no reason to hold bitterness about a brother, about a sister. Oh, we are in the country of Canada. Everybody wants to become rich and financially independent. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, be careful of covetousness. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Be very careful. It is God's warning. So I see my Bible as a book of prophecy. I see my Bible as a command that I should listen to. I see my Bible as a command I should listen to and as a book of warning, a book of warning when it says take heed and beware of the level of Pharisees and Sadducees which is hypocrisy. It means I don't have to be a hypocrite. Oh, we live in the era of grace. Paul won the church. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 8 verse 9. Be careful that your liberty will not be an occasion to the flesh. It is a warning from God. There are many things you need to be careful about. Be careful about how you behave in the house of God. Because the house of God is the church of the living God. It's a pillar and the ground of truth. 1 Corinthians 6.18 be careful, flee fornication. That is the word of God. So the word of God is not just a command. It said abstain fleshly laws because they war against your soul. It tells you the reason. So God is not just giving us this book of prophecy as a prophecy to be fulfilled. He's not just giving it as a command to obey. It's also a warning that we must take heed to. It to obey is to be, it's better than sacrifice and to harden than the fat of ram. Obedience would have kept Saul as the king of Israel. God said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15, Go destroy all the Amalekites. That's all. But he came back with certain things and said, Today the kingdom is away from you. And verse 22 says, To obey is better than sacrifice. So there are warnings, warnings, warnings that we must listen to. There are warnings that we must listen to. However, good one thing is, however great your Bible is, there are warnings that you should listen to. Medication is great for me, 
But every time you buy medication, there is a one in little reason on the label. And the same way electricity is good, anytime electricity is conducted, they tell you the things do not touch. Because if you touch it, you get electrocuted. So not just is my Bible a book of prophecy, not just is it a command that I must obey, but it is also a warning that I must heed to. Another thing about the Bible is that I see my Bible as a decision book that I must take hold to. Many, many times Christians do not take responsibility for certain things. It's a book of decision that you must keep to. You know, Joshua came and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's his decision. He says, if you want to serve the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, you are free. If you are in Canada, if you want to serve money, you are free. If you are in, um, in Canada and you want to serve pleasure, you are free. But the Bible is a book of decision. As for me and my, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, there's one thing I appreciate about Pastor Adenuga. Till this morning, it still happened. I asked him, oh, what's your opinion on this? He tells you all the pros. He tells you all the cons. And he keeps quiet. I say, and then? It's your decision. You have to decide yourself. I can't decide for you. And that's one thing I had to learn from him. Whatever the thing, it is my decision. If the psalmist says in Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. It is his decision. It says, I will. When he says, when he says I will bless the Lord, it is his decision to bless the Lord. So what decision are you making? Are you saying, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord? Are you saying, as for me and my family, we will study the word of God together? Are you saying, as for me and my household, we will be together with God? With all sense of humility, I would say that the training I received was from my father. Since I was born till, till I left Canada and went to Nigeria in December, if you sleep in our house 5 a.m., that devotion will happen. Even if you went to a nice video, it was a decision that he took. That's for me and my house. We are going to serve the Lord. And it paid off today. Everybody has to make a decision to do the things that are the will of God, to do the right things in the sight of God. The apostle says, whether it be right to you to obey God or to obey man. But we cannot but speak of the things we've heard and seen. Even Jesus, who is the Son of God, he says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, he says, I have come and I will do your will, O God. You have to take that decision yourself to lead a better life, to stand for holiness, to stand for righteousness, to do the things that are well pleasing in the sight of God. The Bible is a book. 
of not just having prophecies fulfilled in my life, of not just having commands to obey, not just warnings to heed, but also decisions that I will take. Another thing about the book of God, which is the Bible, is that it is a, 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 a decision that I will take for myself and on behalf of others. So when Joshua made that decision, it was not just for himself. I mean, many times we hear in this church, and pastor does a great, great job in telling you that you are a person of influence. It is not just being in a position of power. It's about the influence that you exert. So your influence in your family will need as for me and my household. Jesus himself said in Matthew 17, says God, everyone you've given me, here are they, except the one who prophesy how to be fulfilled, that he had to, and he chose that one. So your decisions will not just be for yourself, your decisions would be for others around you. Just like your sin, just like your sin can destroy others around you, your living right and living for God would do right for the people around you. Another thing about the Bible, how do you see the Bible? How do you feel about the Bible? How do you talk about the Bible? How do you behave towards the Bible? How do you act on the Bible? How do you believe the Bible? How much results do you get from the Bible? One thing about the Bible is that the Bible is a book of promise and blessings that I will claim. There are too many blessings in the Bible. But many, many times we look at the causes in the Bible. Your, your life cannot be worse off than the words in your mouth. Because by your words, you shall be justified. By your words, you shall be condemned. So are you treating your Bible are you seeing your Bible as a book of promise that I will claim? When God is saying, I will bless you and will keep you. When he's saying, I will cause my face to shine upon you. How do you see those words? Do you see it as a promise that you claim for yourself? Do you see it as a blessing that will come upon you? When God made promise to Abraham, he says, because I could show him I know greater, I swear by myself that in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. And after Abraham endured it, he inherited the promise. You have endured as a Christian. You have sacrificed as a Christian. Why are those promises not mine? You need to lay claims on the promises. As much as prophecy has to be fulfilled, as long as there's a command that you have to obey, God says, do not forsake the assembly together of the righteous. You are here in church this morning. As long as you obey that command, why are the blessings of the house not following me? I need to lay claims on those promises. Because the Bible is a book of promise that has to be fulfilled. It says, I will bless your food. I'll bless your water. It says, I'll take sickness and disease far away from you. It says, no evil will come near your dwelling. It says, I'll preserve you. 
He says you shall be blessed going out. He says you shall be blessed coming in. He says the work of your hand shall be blessed. He says no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. He says, every tongue that rises against you, if you condemn it, it will sound condemned. He has given you power on earth, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. He gave you that promise. How do you see the power behind the promise? How do you see the giver of the promise? It's not just a command for me to obey. They are not just warnings for me to listen to. They are not just decisions I need to take. But I need to claim the promises of God. Because all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and amen. Which means every promise of God in Christ must fulfill. The reason we say amen is that so shall it be. So if you say all the promises of Christ, all the promises of God in Christ, they are yea and amen to the glory of the Father, it means those promises have to be fulfilled in my life. It says I will be the head and not the tail. It says I will be above only. Anytime I see myself as not being above, I need to ask myself, am I claiming this promise? Because the promise of God has to be claimed. The blessing of God has to be claimed. The blessing of God has to be appropriated. Many times the reason why Christians we don't get as much blessing out of our Bible is because we don't lay claims on those promises. So this morning I'm encouraging you the way you see the Bible will make you feel better about it. That you can confess and you have it. John 15, 16 Whatever you ask according to my will you will receive it. It's a certain promise. It's a certain promise from Jesus Christ. So as long as you claim those promises, you are in right position to receive the, the fulfillment of promises. So this morning, my encouragement to everybody is that you begin to see the things of God differently. Because if you see things of God differently, you feel better about it. You'll be happy to talk about Son Chapel. You believe in purpose, power, and people, you, you, act, you will act well in the church. You behave well in the church. Paul said that you might know how to behave yourself in the church. You will get different results. You see the Bible as prophecies that will be fulfilled in your life. You see the Bible as commands, as, as commands that I must obey this. In those days there was no king in Israel, everybody did what was right in their sight. That is not for you to do. My encouragement is that you begin to see God's word as a command that you need to obey without negotiation. Without negotiation. Another thing you see the word of God will be a warning that will be heeded and a decision book for you. You begin to make decisions to bless the Lord at all times. David says in Psalm 16, he says, I will set the Lord before me, always. It will be your decision to put God first. And lastly, it will be a book of promise that you claim. When you are sick, you claim healing for yourself. 
When you are broke, you claim prosperity for yourself. When you are weak, you say the joy of the Lord is my strength. When you are sad, you say God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what I ask of him. When you've given, you will say, God, you promise it to be given back to me in good measure. When you give to the poor, you say, God, remember, I gave to the poor. I have lent unto you. Bible says in, in Proverbs, Proverbs 19:17, say he that giveth to the poor lends to God. Whatsoever he gives shall return to him. When you, give, when you give to the poor, you lay claims on that promise. Say, God, what I gave will come back to me. So, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, you need to change the way you see things. Because the way you see it will determine how much claim and the confidence which you claim from the Bible. The Bible is not just a religious book for us to differentiate ourselves. To differentiate ourselves from other religions, it's a book of prophecy that is fulfilled in my ears. This day, this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. It's a book of command that I will obey. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. It's a book of decision. Choose this day. I will decide to serve the Lord. Oh, it's a book of promise that I will claim. God has laid precious, precious, precious promises for us. And I will not let any go unfulfilled in my life. Bow down your heads and begin to talk to God about every promise that God has given you. Every word of promise that God has given you, that they be fulfilled in your life that they be fulfilled in your life. Every word of prophecy that God has said to you, the prophecy shall come to pass. The heart shall be filled with the knowledge of God as the water covers the sea. I will receive knowledge from God. I will, I will know the Lord. Help me, Father. To obey every command that you've put in your word. To obey every warning that you've put in your word. To obey every instruction in your word. To listen to every counsel and advice. And to claim every promise. Be glorified, Father.